everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Listen, you wore me down. I will be talking about something football adjacent for the majority of this program. We'll try to keep it tight like a normal podcast. Just do kind of a special broadcast because there was obviously big news this week, not only in the Taylor Swift universe, but in the pop culture universe. Really, much to my dismay, it seems to have been a big week for all mankind. Anytime I say for all mankind, I can't help but think of seven genes. You know how strongly I feel about the sex appeal and popularity status you'd get skyrocketed to if you rocked a pair of A pockets back in the day. But the irony of seven for all mankind is it is it's actually seven for a very limited a uh, range of body types and for a very specific income bracket, but I guess they couldn't fit that on the tag. You know, guys, I, the reason I say much to my dismay, this is a big story for all mankind, is because people are entering the Taylor Swift conversation that I I simply never invited. Do you think I want my husband texting me Taylor Swift memes? People often ask me, like, is your husband a Swifty? Is, you know, he into all the, the same stuff you are? Because I, I talk about it with such, you know, passion and in such detail. And the answer is absolutely not. I'm, I'm not a we-do-everything-together kind of gal. My marriage thrives because of compartmentalization. We have, we have shows and beliefs and values in common. We obviously now have two young sons. Tugboat and Teddy. For those of you that are new to the podcast, Tugboat is not a human. And we're we're thick as thieves, close as can be. But we do not share a lot of interests. And I like it that way. Because this man texted me on on Monday morning. Oh, I get it. Is it the new Red album? And the Chiefs are red? I said, babe, the red re-record came out in November 2021. Remember you called it that album with the leaves. Do not, do not try to conveniently enter this conversation right this minute. I am not interested in your two cents about her, her engaging in a PR relationship because you suspect it's because she has a red album coming out and the Chiefs colors are, are red. Oh, my God. Anyway, today we will talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, but it might be a little different than other broadcasts. This is a pod for the lonely and their opinion that that maybe isn't being represented because people seem to be writing so hard for this relationship. And what I'll talk about today is kind of two things. One, all I want is for her to have fun. And she was having so much fucking fun up there at the Chiefs game on Sunday when everyone freaked out that she was there. She she was chest bumping. She was, you know, saying, let's fucking go. She was drinking a cranberry vodka, having a chicken tender with seemingly ranch. There were news reports the next day that, get this, breaking news, trigger warning, uh, she put her hair up halfway through the night. You know, it was, it was a very funny night on the internet. They left in a getaway car, a convertible without a license plate, with seemingly no security around, use the word seemingly again, even though she travels in bulletproof cars most of the time, which still confuses me. They rented out the Prime Social, paid for everyone's meals, said get out of town. Blondie has arrived. You know, help. You cannot be still at the restaurant, though there was somebody sitting in a corner that haunted the event uh, who took a sneaky photo of her with a really strong clenched forearm, forearm rung around his neck. And the masses freaked out and they sold it to TMZ, dying to know how much it was for. It was a really fun night on the Internet. And listen, like, I love this for people. Like, if this excites you to your core, if this is your dream pairing, I'm really happy for you. And I am I am not in the business of yucking someone's yum. I actually think that this is fun, funny, rom-commy. It was a funny night on the Internet. But yeah, so th- there are a couple things that I think are interesting about this. One is even how... Inside the fandom, how far this is being stretched to put so much pressure on the relationship. Like, I know it's all in good fun, but it also a lot of it is so intense. I've just been like, what is happening? And I think sometimes the original posters are kind of being like facetious or they know it's a stretch. But then I look in the comments and I'm like, I don't think these people are kidding. 
I mean, the stuff I'm seeing is wild. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, meant to be. He has the same birthday as Marjorie. Mastermind, her brain. I'm like, OK, I think that's a coincidence. <laughs> I don't think that's a mastermind thing. People are going nuts, like 87 plus 13 equals 100. And I'm like, OK, get that's his jersey number. And she loves the number 13. But what's the 100? Like a perfect score, like making someone whole. Like, I don't really, I don't really know if I'm following. Like, I don't think this whole thing is reverse engineered from Cornelia Street, like the streetlights pointed in an arrowhead leading us home. And then because she, you know, ultimately wanted to meet the man of her dreams at Arrowhead Stadium. Like I came across a video with over 500,000 likes. It's like finding out Travis Kelsey is Taylor's 13th boyfriend. So that means they're getting married. Part of me feels bad that she can't just go have fun at a football game without you know, that 1950s shit they want from me, you know, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, but the, the second part of the coverage about this that is just interesting to me, I don't know anything about Travis Kelsey's so like, I don't really have much to say about the relationship. It's the infiltration of football adjacent media and spokespeople and podcasters and commentators and the shameless exploitation of this by the NFL that is driving me nuts. I think it's just funny to me. Like, we know Taylor Swift has major economic power in, in her influence. And seeing the stats like 300% increase in Kelsey jerseys being sold, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers for him, so much more like traffic and revenue generation for various parts of this that ultimately like funnel to the NFL. And just the way people are posting about this being like, oh my God, the power of TS. And I'm like, yeah, glad we're supporting your local family business. Like, I think the NFL is good. I just my feet is all too NFL right now. And, you know, this too shall pass. But also, will it? I don't know. There are rumors she's going to be at the game this weekend. Interested to see what happens. But I, I want to be clear, like, I don't I don't really care or need to, like, overthink it. And everybody can have their fun. But also, like, this podcast isn't in the business of underthinking things. So I just kind of wanted to meander through a series of complicated thoughts I have about this that really don't have anything to do with the relationship and more so the the coverage of this and the content related to this that I have found really interesting the past several days. Well, I guess I should take a couple steps back in case you're not caught up. Taylor Swift showed up at Arrowhead Stadium to a Chiefs game after several weeks of rumors that she was having a fling or dating Travis Kelsey. And she was in the box with his mom, looking adorable, having a great time. Basically, the timeline is July 8th, Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. He attends the Eras Tour on July 26th. He said on his podcast with his brother, I was disappointed that she doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 songs that she sings. He went on to explain that the bracelet he wanted to give her had his phone number on it. She didn't meet, she doesn't meet anybody, or at least she didn't want to meet me, so I took it personal, he quipped. September 14th, during an interview with an NFL host, Travis somewhat addressed the rumors. He confirmed his story about trying to shoot a shot at the Eras tour and said, I said what I said, and I meant what I said when I said it. And you know what? It is what it is. Okay, first of all, that, that quote is so Cousin Greg from Succession, if it is to be said. So it so it be. So it is. Like, what? <laughs> anyway, so we said that weird sentence before shutting down further conversation about the pair's relationship status. I'm not going to talk about my personal life. The tight end then tease listener saying, I know what you writers want to hear and you want to hear more about this and I'm not going to give you anything. So then there was like a Chiefs Jaguars, Jaguars game. <laughs> and one of the announcers like did a T-Swift lyric reference saying Kelsey finds a blank space for the score. There was a lot of like T-Swift references and pregame coverage. You saw it on Thursday night when Travis Kelsey wasn't in there. It left a blank space, but I think he returns today and proves to be the anti-hero. Never goes out of style. Then later, Travis commented on his Instagram being like, well played, Rich, well played, I guess, to that announcer. And then when he joined another show on September 21st, he revealed that he invited Taylor Swift to watch him play. I threw the ball in her court, he said. I told her, I've seen you rock the stage in Arrowhead. You might have to come see me rock the stage in Arrowhead. We'll see what happens in the near future. He also expressed his surprise at how much publicity their potential relationship has gotten. It's hilarious how much traction this actually got. I think it's right now like that 
old game in school called telephone where everyone is just whispering in each other's ear, just hearing random stuff. September 24th, a big game. Swift shocked football fans and Swifties alike when she spent the day cheering on the Kansas City Chiefs tight end from Kelsey Sweet alongside his mom, Donna, as they played the Chicago Bears and won. And then on this podcast this week, he said, shout out to Taylor for pulling up. That was pretty ballsy. I just thought of it was awesome how everybody in the suite had nothing but great things to say about her, the friends and family. She looked amazing. Everybody was talking about her in great light. And on top of that, the day went perfect for Chiefs fans, of course. To see the slow motion chest bumps, to see the high fives with mom, to see how Chiefs Kingdom was all excited that she was there. It was definitely a game I'll remember. That's for damn sure. Then we just slid off in the getaway car at the end. To his credit, that was like a better use of sliding in a lyric than the previous examples I mentioned. And like he kept it, he kept it cute, kept it short on his podcast. But it also see, kind of sounds like, not. I don't know if he was told to reel it in, but he like definitely reeled it in a bit, I feel like, with that statement. And per <laughs> Sammy's game of most charitable, least charitable, I think there are two ways you can see all of how this transpired. To somebody that doesn't really understand him or his vibe or his context or isn't like doesn't have a pre-existing like charming response to him. A, a person doing this out of the blue is kind of like, wow, you're really milking this story, really teasing it, not really shutting it down. Like. I kind of thought it was a bit thirsty and that made people mad on Instagram. But I, I, I only really know of him from his e-reality show. So I was like, oh, he's really trying to milk this storyline. But then for people that are fans of his and really like him or, I don't know, maybe have more familiarity and context for him and his like personality, it seems like the most charitable thing is like, no, he's like pursuing her. He's celebrating her. He respects her. He's speaking about her publicly and out in the open in ways Joan ever did. So it's interesting to see how depending on your vantage point, you could interpret some of that behavior. And, you know, I think both are valid responses based on what you, like, already know about him. And I think what I'll get into in a bit is the, how I think as a fan, we don't really know how to feel about somebody talking about her because we went from thinking like that was not something she wanted to now being like, oh, maybe that was what she wanted, but just what her ex wasn't doing anyway. But yeah, I mean, people are going wild. So like he's talked about this publicly several times. There was a quote from Jason I need to find that people took like really out of context, his brother that people ran with. Uh, and yeah, that's like where we are. But, you know, the Internet on Sunday, forget Kim Kardashian, like with a stream of bubbly over her head going to the flute on her ass that I think Paper Magazine claimed would break the Internet in 2014. This, I think, actually broke the Internet, like Scandaval broke the Internet vibe. and is continuing to just dominate everything I'm seeing. And it, it's, yeah. Okay, I don't want to be this person, but in case any of you share my sentiment, I'm not a gatekeeper. Like, you can't gatekeep Taylor Swift. Like, every, like she's America's sweetheart. She's the biggest pop star ever. Um, I'd be lying if I said I was enjoying the references to her in this commentary and in the headlines. And, uh, you know, there's just a way that non-Taylor Swift fans reference her lyrics that makes my skin crawl these commentators that i mentioned earlier i mean touchdown seems like travis found a blank space you know i was saying on instagram i think it's nice for them to try but if i'm being kind of bitchy it's giving uh congress at the Ticketmaster hearing or whatever saying like if we can't shake off these hefty fees there's there's going to be bad blood and we'll never ever be getting back together with verified fan that was like oh geez Something just gave me the ick, especially the ones that, you know, don't support women's rights. I, I don't want to hear you quote anti-hero if you're anti-choice. Similarly, I don't want you to, like, capitalize off of Taylor Swift if you have made jokes for the better part of the last decade about how you can't date her. She'll write a song about you. And it's like now you're capitalizing and, like, cannibalizing the content because a lot of these, like, male hubs are so large and getting more engagement. For those of you that are in the middle of the Venn diagram between TS and the NFL, I'm sure hearing random lyrical references are exciting for you. I just, it's like, if we're going to be here a while, I need these fair weather fans to like do a better job. If, if you're, you know, if you tell me Travis is her tight end game, like, eh, not that impressed. 
if you want to impress the Swifties, do some research before your broadcast. I feel like an anti-vaxxer. Do your research. But even just like a bare minimum amount of research would give them some fun references that would be meme worthy in a way that would be a lot more satisfying. Like, let's say that they're, you know, the Chiefs aren't playing well. Other teams getting some pretty easy touchdowns. The announcers can be like, things aren't looking good for the Chiefs. In their defense, they have none. You know what I mean? I, I think that there are ways we can make this work. I'm not opposed to it entirely. Just so far, I haven't been impressed with the references. Did, did that make sense? It did make sense. See, guys, it's not, as I've told you before, it's not that I can't understand football. It's that I don't care to understand football. But high level, I do. Like I said on last week's episode, I can't help it. Whenever I see a football game on TV, all I see are people bumping into each other and like male caprice. <laughs> And not the good kind, like the kind, the linen kind Costa swore on Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Just like the really tight below the knee kind that I know are part of the uniform and baseball players wear them too. I just think they're very funny pants and we don't talk about that enough. I just, I really think it would be fun if there, if if somebody in the commentary space like actually was deep in the T-Swift universe, because then we'd appreciate it. Like, do you guys, you know, the the show Hot Ones with Sean Evans, he's such a good interviewer. Because he researches the crap out of his guests and and finds the deepest cuts. And it's so, I don't know, it's really gratifying to watch. And you can tell the guests are always impressed. And I just, I don't even, I can't even think of an example. But if you want to blow the Swifties' minds and keep the, you know, incredibly uh, high incremental engagement and participation you're seeing from Swiftie fans in NFL-related things, like, I don't know. Re- reference something that's not a single, not a song title. Hell, not not a, not not even an album song. If you want to blow our minds, just drop in a small reference to like a limited edition bonus track, and see what happens. The crowds would go wild. I don't even know what it would be like. Uh, Travis interacting with the fans and smiling, and someone being like, you know, guys. It looks like your faithless loves the only goalpost he believes in. <laughs> so stupid. But you know what I mean? I, we'd be like, holy shit, was that a reference to the chorus of hoax? That's awesome. That would be exciting for me. But otherwise, the blank space, the shake it off, it's like, I'm good. I, I don't feel a need to tolerate it, if you will. But that being said, I do, the thing I relate to Taylor about in this scenario is I, I do like the experience of attending a game in person for the most part. Even though I resented it in college because it's like all anyone talked or cared about and like I feel like the entire social culture uh, kind of revolved around games. But I, I did and I always will love tailgate culture big time. I actually went to an NFL game last year and I had a blast. And more importantly, I feel like I used to be more grumpy around stuff I didn't like. But now, as we talked about last week, like all interests are valid. All leisure is valid. And I really love being around people who are experiencing something they love, even if I don't. And like my husband, I was like a Michigan grad, you know, watching Tom Brady play in real life. Like that was a cool experience to share with him. I'm, I'm not a monster. And Taylor Swift having the time of her life in that box on Sunday, like I genuinely understood. I will have the time of my life at any sporting event in a box. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Put more women in boxes 2024. I think we belong in boxes. I, and like, I love cute team attire. I love air conditioning. I love having access to a bathroom. I love bottomless chicken tenders, obviously. And the best part of a box is the condiments aren't communal, you know, to the entire stadium and all the kids' sticky fingers. Uh, I love that in boxes you can chat and watch, unlike in the stadium where it's too loud and you're like confined to the people next to you. In my personal experience, there. You know, not everyone wants to gab during a football game, but I do. And 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 like Taylor, I also love meeting people's moms or, or other loved ones at events where there's like a focal point beyond the chit chat. So you have a hybrid of like having fun banter, but also can pay attention to something else should the conversation get stale. Like you could tell she was having so much fun. And that was fun to watch as a fan of hers that wants her to live her best life. It was it was like almost as if she was a normal person for a moment. But, you know, just with 76,000 people watching her in person and then millions on the Internet. But 
I don't know. She probably hasn't tried to go to a football game since her, like her and Selena Gomez attempted to go to a Notre Dame game when her brother went there back in the day. Um, and I think she like had a blast, but I think she was kind of bombarded by fans. And it does kind of make me sad she can't do things, you know, too big to hang out, slowly lurking toward your favorite city. But the box felt like a safe space for her to be on display, but also kind of be insulated to enjoy herself. And yeah, I love that for her. Um, so it was fun to watch her have fun, put more women in boxes. I think people fall in one of two camps. Like it was very like cute in rom com in theory. So far, the coverage of this has been a real trip, but I'm excited because I'm going on an actual trip. My first since having a baby this weekend and I'm busting out my base weekender and stuffing it to the brim, even though I'll be gone for like 48 hours. We've all been there trying to fit everything we think we might need for a trip, only to end up with a suitcase bursting at the seams. But with base, there's room for everything. And the base weekender, it's just a, it's a godsend. It fits literally everything. And I was laughing because Shay Mitchell, who is the actress that created base, she was, she was seeking to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage and accessories to help you travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable, which she, she successfully has done. But I was laughing because she was like, when everyone's criticizing your bag for being heavy, but you're not the one who packed it. And I was like, LOL. Because the thing about the weekender is that it is so incredibly functional in that you can stuff it. At one point, I put like three pairs of Luxol boots in the bottom compartment. And that's just like a third of the bag. So yeah, sometimes I choose to make it heavy. But the point is the the shape and functionality is like incredible to the point where like you could even physically put that much stuff into it and it'd still be a carry-on. It's kind of uh, remarkable. And the ba- the nice part is they all come with a trolley sleeve. So I just put it on my rollerboard and wheel it and I'm I'm good to go. But base has really thought of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage. There are 360 degree gliding wheels and a cushion handle on their rollerboard. That also has a built-in weight indicator, washable bags for your dirty clothes, all the interior pockets you could ever need. I've told you I love the diaper bag and I'm actually using it now because it's it's a backpack that just looks like a normal backpack that my husband and I can casually carry. But the back has like a part you zip out that you can change a baby on. It also has like a really convenient pack for wipes that I now more deeply understand. All the compartments in the world, whether you're carrying like a spatula or, you know, there's so many like little things you carry in the diaper changing world. And this diaper bag is it. Their luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors. And Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. And right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash be there in five. Go to basetravel.com slash be there in five for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash be there in five. I'm so grateful for this advertiser because I don't, I hardly ever wear my contacts anymore because I'm always like kind of in and out of sleep. And pair eyewear has made all the difference to me, especially because I can go indoor outdoor and just put on their sun topper and use my regular glasses with a prescription as sunglasses with just, by just snapping on a, a sunglass top. It just I think this company's brilliant. They were on Shark Tank. And with Pear Eyewear, you can change your look in a snap. And their latest fall collections give you even more ways to celebrate your creativity and individuality. Whether you're getting in the mood for spooky season, which I know a lot of you are, celebrating sweater weather, which I had to re-record that phrase 12 times. That's hard to say which is more my speed, or, or both. Maybe you're into spooky sweater weather. Uh, their new designs bring a little autumn joy to your everyday look. I rock the, the Kirby and the Reese quite a bit. Have one in black, one in blue tortoise. As I've told you before, I got a red topper for one of them, and you guys told me I looked a little Sally Jesse Raphael. But that's okay. The great thing about pairs, you can inexpensively just snap on a new vibe if you thought you were going day to night, but were a little bit more daytime talk show host. You can save on traditional glasses markups with base frames that start from just $60 and top frames at just $25. And yeah, they've got a Halloween collection that has 18 new enchanting designs and the Harvest Collection for cozy sweaters and playful plaids. And you can try them on easily digitally with virtual try-on to find the right shape for you from the comfort of your home. Change things up this season with new frames from Pear Eyewear. Go to PearEyewear.com slash in 5 for 15% off your first pair. That's Pear, P-A-I-R, Eyewear.com slash in 5 I think people fall in one of two camps. It was very cute in rom com in theory. Like the way it played out from her being there to being with his mom to how hard she was cheering to fan edits of like him looking up at the bleachers and a true like Troy and Gabriella moment to I think they were he was met her after he was walking out from the locker room and he was wearing like a two piece white denim set that 
It was allegedly called the 1989 bedroom painting set, but it's important that people know that that brand changed it after he was spotted in it to 1989. It was just called bedroom painting set. And and if you refine the search by that item being sold prior to Sunday evening, it, it never had the name 1989 attached to it that I can find. Proof is like it being resold on certain sites with dates from prior to the game. And nowhere does it say 19. Like, that just isn't what it was called. They did that to leverage the sales of the item, which was smart of them. But no, that was not like a mastermind. Like, can you imagine? I mean, that would that would be too horny for me. That is where I would draw a line. Like, that's insane. Call up your your beau you're newly talking to and being like, hey, I need you to like speed order this hideous two-piece white denims plus splatter paint set. Uh, to wear walking out of this stadium because it's called 1989 and I have an album, 1989 Taylor's version, I don't know if you heard, coming out the end of October. Buy all six versions of the vinyl today. I just don't, I don't even think she's that cheesy. Um, So that was the brand leveraging it. But people don't look at context or dig deeper. They just see the headline. And I think that's what's frustrating. Like, on the one hand, it's fun. On the other hand, I'm like, it does kind of, it is, I would imagine it sucks for her that her entire existence, like, People talk about under the guise of like, oh, my God, we're such fans. But really, for the most part, what it is for most publications is to to reduce her to the most clickbaity format of whatever the hell it is she's doing. And seeing all everybody like flip out last week before the game about Jason Kelsey's quote where he said, I think they're doing great. And I think it's all 100 percent true. And I hope this thing goes a mile or whatever. But when you look at the full context of the quote. He says, I don't really know a lot about Travis's love life. I try to keep his business kind of his business, stay out of that world. Having said that, man, I think they're doing great. And I think it's all 100% true. And I hope this thing goes a mile. No, I'm joking. I don't know what's happening. So this was already kind of starting to spin out of control even before she showed up. This is what I mean by meandering through my nuanced feelings, because there's also kind of a positive piece of the press that was happening when when like Travis was being asked about Taylor, I think I mentioned this on Instagram last week too, that like it's almost the um, you know, role reversal of remember when George Clooney introduced himself as a mall's husband and we were like, yes. <laughs> kind of like the, the simple act of like how rarely are men introduced as like so and so's husband. It kind of felt like how rarely are athletes I asked about their relationships, you know, whereas like women are all the time. And it was semi-satisfying to have to be watching footage of like Travis being defined by his potential relationship status with Taylor in a way that I just don't feel like we see all the time for athletes. But I actually do think Taylor Swift transcends in an interviewing sense, because to be fair, anybody in her orbit is asked about her all the time. Like, Joe Alwyn was asked about her all the time. Maggie Gyllenhaal on Watch What Happens Live is like still asked about the scarf. She's not a man. But you know what I mean? So like it it is satisfying anytime we see a role reversal like that. But also I think that that does happen with Taylor Swift. Like people do tend to ask about her if you are in some way associated with her. And I love that for her. But the TikTok trend was kind of similarly funny and satisfying. And people asking their like boyfriends, husbands, partners how they felt about what was the trend, like how they felt about Taylor Swift putting Travis Kelsey on the map. Like that was incredibly satisfying. So there, this is what I mean. Like on the one hand, it felt it's like, are they milking this? It's kind of cringy. But then on the other hand, I'm like, I'm glad he's being asked about this. This is what women deal with all the time. And it's funny to watch um, like people's partners squirm about Taylor Swift putting him on the map. Like it makes them so uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, how do you feel when we're like asked to name five songs for like every band we ever say we like, you know? Can I? No, I'm just wearing the shirt because it's cute. Fuck off. Okay, what's crazy is, is so I have no interest in like, I I, I am not, you know, I, I never have interest in breaking news, being a demois type, like spreading rumors. It's too, it's too much pressure for me. But people will tell me things a lot. And like, I get DMs and emails from random people that are close to situations all the time that often will like confirm or deny something. And usually I don't explicitly say it, but it will inform how I talk about something. So I'm doing so accurately so I don't blow their spot. 
Um, but this is an interesting thing where there are a few people in the Beth universe out there that are verifiably close to the situation. And I actually did know that the rumor about them being a thing was true, but only that they had like maybe hung out one time. But when I tell you, it so wasn't that much of a thing to me because I don't really know much about Travis Kelsey or like why it's that big of a deal to people. I didn't even say anything. I didn't even I didn't even tell my nearest and dearest friends who were obsessed with this story. Like I just was like, oh, cool. And then the, it broke the Internet. And I was like, oh, God, like this is how naive I am to like the magnitude of the situation that I didn't even think that was newsworthy. Um, but yeah, so I don't want to pretend like I'm entirely clueless, but based on that leaked TMZ photo, maybe Sparks Lou, I think that photo will give many people something that will haunt them when they're not around. Uh, so part of me like was kind of shocked at how big of a deal it was. Not that she was like, I thought it was fun watching her be there, but I think the fan edits and the way people were so pumped about this pairing is what surprised me because you have to understand if you're a person that actively avoids like football related news, like oftentimes the way I will all I will really know about athletes on purpose <laughs> is, a, is kind of like who they dated. You know, that uh, game five second rule where you name three things in five seconds. If it's like name three athletes, the first things that I think of, I'm like Chris Humphries, Reggie Bush, Tristan Thompson and Greg will be like, those are just people the Kardashians dated. I'm like, exactly. You know, we we all have our different touch points with sports culture, but I did not know people were like this obsessed with him. And he was like heartthrob status. I kind of thought, honest to God, he was uh, in my head, just wouldn't really be her type. And I've since learned, you know, that people love the brother dynamic and love the mom. He's very beloved in Kansas City. Uh, I, I That people like like that he's kind of an open book and doesn't take himself too seriously. Like, I'm starting to understand it more. But at first glance, I was like, wait, this is the guy from the E, the short-lived E reality show. Was it Catching Chelsea? Chasing Kelsey? Whatever. There was like a kind of cheeseball bachelor spinoff that I, and that was my main arena of understanding about <laughs> Travis Kelsey. The next would be knowing that he and his brother played each other in the Super Bowl, which was like, a very big story, but I didn't even look into it that far because honestly, Brianna announced her pregnancy that night. I was I was focused on other things. So I kind of well, the night it was going down, I was like, I don't get it. Because also I was feeling like when they would talk about it on the podcast, even still, there's a little part of me that's like, I don't know. Um, like I saw a tweet yesterday that was like, it, you know, oh my God, please get Taylor on the podcast. And then they re their, their podcast account responded back. What would happen if you just called Taylor up? You know, that Kris Jenner soundbite from TikTok. And I'm like, okay, they're, they're definitely participating in milking this. And th there is a lot being gained here. Even though I, I know like it's a joke, like Taylor put Travis Kelsey on the map and it pisses people off because he was already like a huge NFL player. I think the one of the reasons people probably like this pairing is they're both people respectively at like the top of their field. And within their universe of fans and participants in their category like neither really needs more like fame pr or money right but the the pairing is kind of this like cataclysmic event that merges two massive fandoms and is just endless fodder for you know digital dialogue uh because it involves two fandoms that are incredibly vocal on the internet one and two like really i think swifties like yeah, want her to be happy. And in the event, this would be a situation where she was dating somebody that was kind of shamelessly public. It would be fun because her, you know, previous relationship, it felt like in interviews, Joe Alwyn was kind of always operating at like a low simmer, like ready to subtly seethe when asked about his girlfriend of many years, which was always off putting to me. I was kind of like, dude, just play the game, have fun with it, speak favorably about her. He was almost so tight-lipped, it was not endearing. And I think during the relationship, at times I was like, is this Tree Payne and Taylor's team, like, post-rep era? She just doesn't want to give the media any material, and this is so private and important to her. They, like, told Joe, like, do not speak about her. But now I actually think that, yes, I'm sure she wanted her very personal, important relationship to be private, and I'm sure she will again in the future. But it does seem that like that could have been more of a value of Joe's than hers, because prior to 
her castle crumbling overnight, the rap era. She was so out and about paparazzi walk friendly and liked a level of visibility, understandably when her reputation, you know, when she had that more difficult season and people weren't speaking favorably about her, I'd withdraw too. But and then, you know, during that time, she meets Joe, who was notoriously private. And it's kind of like we don't actually I don't know if we know what her baseline for privacy and public visibility is, because there were two kind of extenuating circumstances that overtook the past, you know, seven years with her having a public fallout and and uh, her dating somebody super private. So maybe it's life imitating art and we're fully back in the 1989 era of like fun paparazzi walks and public outings. And as a fan, I'm here for it. That's so fun. What was my point? Oh, that on Sunday, I was saying this on Instagram. I'm like, it felt kind of if he drops my name that I owe him nothing vibes to be like bringing her up and like engaging in conversations when historically the the name of the game to date Taylor is discretion is to not drop the name of the game is to not drop her name. Um, but then it's like, well, is that historically or was that just the circumstances she was in in recent years? And this is actually more her style. And maybe she's like really flattered that somebody's openly talking so positively about her, especially in contrast to her last relationship. And maybe she like loves being pursued. And that's cool, too. So I'm starting to like understand a little bit more why people are pumped about this. And I guess I, I'm having trouble separating if I'm not used to somebody she's associated with talking about her because I assume they weren't allowed to. So that that's why it's giving me an ick. And maybe it wasn't ever that they weren't allowed to. It's that he didn't want to. So like I shouldn't get the ick. But yeah, some of the there some of that leading up to the Sunday, I was like, I'm not into this. But then by showing up at the game, she's she's part of the bit. She's playing the game. She's into it. And then I'm like, okay, I this is totally not what I expected. And which leads me to this next piece I want to talk about, which is the extremities that I'm seeing the response operate in, in terms of this has to be PR versus, oh my God, you can hear it in the silence. They are in love, true love. And what I, okay, in general, I think that PR relationships and PR stunts are overstated and kind of like the blind item universe. Those things happen and have existed. And I was more into blind items and stuff like early on in my commentary experience because they're a fun concept and sometimes they would be true. But then like the further, the more I've gotten to know people in like the entertainment industry, the more I've worked with PR people, like the more understanding I have, the more like a realistic of a grasp I have on what like typically happens. And my opinion as of late is that realistically, what oftentimes happens is somewhere in between where people meet through a professional connection, whether it's like their teams and management, whether it's mutual friends or whatever, um, who are very well-known public figures. And it can serve them both in terms of their public persona. And they can also be getting to know each other behind the scenes and legitimately talking and casually dating. And I don't think it's always like total stunt, total fake, blah, 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 or like totally organic. I think sometimes it's like a, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a gray area. And the terms of how they met might be contrived, the way they leverage or promote their relationship or, you know, call up back grid or um, decide to see and be seen can be aligned with whatever they have going on promotionally, but there also can be legitimacy to the relationship. With Taylor and Travis, it's not that I think that either of them needs the press, because like I said, they're both like in the top of their respective fields and they're both wealthy and have enough press and whatever. When I say it can be a little bit of both in terms of like, you know, PR creating buzz and something that was legitimately fun for her that she wanted to do. Like, I think there was a professional and personal hybrid situation here that I know will probably make people mad by insinuating. But like, obviously, this is going to be a huge, huge spectacle. Obviously, the Internet was going to absolutely love this. Like, and, and I love you if you really think this is a coincidence, but it, I'm sorry, it's not. You know, her and Joe seen on March 9th, 2018, hiking, and he's wearing dark jeans and Nikes. Look at you. Guess what came out March 12th? Delicate Drift is a single. And guess what every single headline said that week about that hike? Oh, my God, Joe's wearing dark jeans and Nikes. 
it drives me nuts when people won't acknowledge that for any celebrity, any public figure ever, like there there is an element of participation in leveraging your personal life for promotional reasons. And like, yeah, she has, you know, re-record coming out soon. And I but I think that would be successful regardless. And it's not that I think she needs the PR, she's promoting something specific. But I think this will just, like I said, be a Taylor Swift canon event that will be referred to for years to come. And it was super public and super fun. And she probably personally enjoyed it. And professionally, it serves her to have visibility and a romantic storyline that's positive after years of being so tight-lipped and guarded. I just think that there, yeah, two things can be true. This can be a really fun thing to add to the reservoir of Taylor Swift moments that we maybe will be tying lyrics to later. Like, who the hell knows? And also she, to quote the quote that her team most likely fed people, she also personally probably thought it was a fantastic way to spend a Sunday night. Now, again, we have the leaked photo. They seem to be vibing. I kind of thought them walking out of the locker room, maybe I've been watching too many body language experts on TikTok, so now I look into body language too much. But when they were walking out, in that one video, I was I, it kind of gave me the energy of like two people that didn't know each other that well, that didn't like know what to do with their hands. But everybody was like, oh, my God, they're trying so hard not to hold hands. And I was like, that's not what I'm getting from this, but whatever. So, yeah, point being, I don't really have one extreme opinion. I just think it serves them both personally and professionally. And like, that's cool. And for him, he's really leveraging it professionally because, again, podcast crushing it. But those of you that are like really into him, have a lot of context for him, say that's kind of his vibe that he is really open and like not private at all. And I will say when you explained that to me, it did get me a little excited because it would be fun if somebody like couldn't keep their mouth shut about a relationship we're left out of. All the while, guys, I don't really think, again, I this podcast is not in the business of underthinking, but it, what I kind of could just say is that I, I don't... Th- I don't think we have to overthink it. It probably was a fantastic way to spend a Sunday night. And like, I'm not complaining. It it would be fun if she dated somebody who would talk about her and talk about their relationship. I just don't think that is sustainably realistic. What was the next thing I wanted to get to? I'm kind of scared to say this, but I've been feeling this way in the fandom for like a couple years now. And it might just be me getting older or me just being a little underslept at the moment. But the content about this What's for dinner? If that question stresses you out, you've come to the right place because Hungry Root will fill your fridge with healthy food and simple recipes so you can fill your schedule with stuff you enjoy doing more. This is a godsend for someone in my position that can't even think straight, much less meal plan. And what I love about Hungry Root is that they send you a box of groceries that aren't like parsed out individualized ingredients that only work for recipes. Rather, they send you full food items that can be used for the recipes they supply but can also be eaten and used on their own because I can't really predict a week in advance if I'm going to feel like whipping up a, a souffle or, or something with a chutney sauce. Some nights I really feel like it. Some nights I just want like a casual PB&J or grilled cheese or whatever. So I love the versatility of Hungry Root. Basically, you take a short, fun quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals and how you like to eat, what flavors you like, what kitchen appliances you use. They keep your needs top of mind and you can start building your cart and they'll recommend groceries based on your taste. I often just take their suggestions because it helps me find things like my beloved sous vide chicken that we eat all the time. But you can get your pick of fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, so much more. And spend less time shopping and cooking and more time enjoying healthy food that you'll actually love with Hungry Root. Right now, Hungry Root is offering my listeners 30% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash be there in five to get 30% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash be there in five. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I saw a lot of people say that their like personal Roman Empire was a the movie Clueless, but B specifically the closet that Cher has in Clueless. And I do think about this maybe every time I go into my closet. She scrolls like limitless options and the computer tells her what matches and what doesn't. And that's kind of what the, the vibe that Stitch Fix is going for in giving you a personal stylist. Stitch Fix is the best way to shop new styles and brands. Think of them as your style partner. You have a stylist online who learns about your tastes and you collaborate with them on looks that you'll love without breaking the bank. You share your style, your sizes, your budget with a quick style quiz and Stitch Fix sends you five items in a fix right to your door and you try everything on at home and you keep what you like and you send back the rest. They have over a thousand brands and styles. I, I was like so annoying to my stylist. I was like, hey, I'm newly postpartum. 
I don't wear sleeves. I'm having trouble fitting in pants. I mostly just want to wear black. I don't really like prints. I mean, I was so uninspiring and they sent me the cutest stuff and I got this plaid jacket that I'll need to show you on Instagram. And over time, Stitch Fix and their seasoned style experts, they match you with greater precision to the perfect pieces for you based on your likes and dislikes. And it allows you to change and evolve over time if you're in a situation where your body your circumstances or climate is changing and it's just super easy. And it's a really cool company that I, that I hadn't used till this year. And I thought a lot of you guys would like it too. So thanks, Stitch Fix. They just get me and they'll get you too. Try today at stitchfix.com slash be there in five and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash be there in five. Stitchfix.com slash be there in five. I also think, okay, read the digital footprint of the fandom. Like I said earlier, I love the camaraderie in the online fandom. I think it's all super fun and I love the language. You can't speak with anyone else vibes. I think it largely nets positive. But I, I'm curious if any of you feel this way. It's almost like World Wide Web versus Web 2.0. I miss more long-term, thorough discussions from, like, credible people and accounts that are super fans that are, like, talking about it because of how much they care about it and not just for the sake of engagement. The best way I can explain it is there's, like, Taylor Swift, the person and the artist. But then this there's this 2.0 of this Taylor Swift fandom that exists mostly within TikTok, where it's Taylor Swift as like mother. It kind of started with Blondie, which I think is funny, but like now it's mother. Like the Eras tour especially has put this version of Taylor Swift on a pedestal where people talk about her in this kind of exaggerative caricature that is her, but feels disconnected from like the way I feel like fans historically talked about her online. That it, it's different. It's it's hard to explain. But it, the way mother is talked about is kind of in these really clickbaity type videos with these like very fast theories and these accounts that it seems like they're incentivized to point to every minute thing as an Easter egg or her masterminding when like, yes, she does that often. But I think that people are incentivized to like speculate so aggressively off of nothing that there's kind of this level of exhaustion of ongoing constant speculation that never materializes, but it doesn't matter because you're getting the dopamine hit in real time with the speculative video. Whereas like in, you know, Taylor Swift fandom 1.0, it was kind of like the success came from the credibility of like saying something that had actually happening, you know? And so now I'm like, I'm finding it hard to figure out like who to follow and how to participate online in a way that's like satisfying because tiktok feels a bit like taste everything digest nothing the sunday night was like so fun but it's also so overwhelming and i was just seeing people slowly reach and reach and reach and say the most extreme things and make these romance edits that were so crazy i was like fatigued of it so incredibly fast that i kind of tune out which is weird for me to say as like a pop culture lover and a person that loves to harp on things forever. My mind is but a graveyard of dead horses I use as bongos. But I'm trying to figure out in my life how to consume pop culture content in a way that still feels fun and feels like I'm actually getting to like the meat of the story and hearing from places adding value. And it's just not a mad grab for the most like memeified version of it. I'm not trying to be like, this is less cool because more people like it and participate in it. That's not it, it at all. Are you kidding me? It used to be so embarrassing to part like people. If you were diehard fans talking about Easter eggs and shit up until pretty recently, people made a lot of fun of you. And now the mother version of Taylor Swift is like so universally popular. It's great. The more the merrier. Sometimes I think like the best part of fandoms are how you can like have this amazing detailed insular world and language and and participate in somebody's body of work in a way that's so satisfying and I'm sure gratifying for the creator themselves when it's done respectfully. But I think the way social media has evolved in recent years kind of makes, you know, human beings that are also artists, these content farms where like the higher of a pedestal they're put on, the more dehumanizing it almost gets because they become a caricature of themselves that is not human. And I worry about the sustainability of that. And uh, yeah, I don't know, whatever, you guys. I, I need to not ramble about this, but just wanted to, you know, have, an, have a heart to heart in case any of you guys are like me and lie awake at night, just kind of missing the Tumblr era. And I realize that's rich coming from somebody who, as part of my living, you know, has talked about her quite a lot over the past six years. 
maybe I'm just getting old, but I thought the coverage of it was so, so intense relative to like what it was at face value. And then also the part that I've been learning more about this week was just not really understanding like how much people, how into Travis Kelsey people were. When I tell you he wasn't on my radar or like he was on my radar, the amount that any other NFL player would be that would start dating somebody. Like, think about, like, Alex Earl dating Braxton Berrios. It's like, okay, like, cool. You know, I'm not really like, obsessed or deep diving him, you know, or Olivia Culpo's fiance or whatever. I, kn- I know those are, like, lesser known people, but um, I-, I think that I really did not even anticipate that this would take off the way that it did. But it just goes to show what I know. But I asked you guys on Instagram, like, okay, can you help me understand, is this, would this happen if she dated any athlete or like any all-american football player are people just excited for her athlete era if you will since she's mostly dated you know actors musicians obviously maddie healy was a big bummer um like in contrast obviously this is a this is a positive but i just couldn't figure out if since i felt kind of neutral toward it like is it him you're stoked about or is it like what he represents or would you be excited about any athlete Graham and i got mixed responses like i think a lot of you that are especially Chiefs fans or from Kansas City or whatever, like, understandably, you would love this. I think a lot of you were very swept by the, you know, Super Bowl, Bowl and SNL hosting of it all and the cuteness of the family dynamic at the mom. And a lot of you, you brought up, like, he's a family guy. He doesn't take himself seriously. And he's kind of shamelessly public. And that's really fun. And he's proud of her. And we want somebody that's proud of her to be with her. And, like, I really get all that. I guess for me, after this summer of Barbie and the Eras tour and Beyonce Renaissance and just kind of female interest dominating the scene and us really celebrating the independent accomplishments of women and their art and their economic influence. You know, part of even doing this episode and consuming this stuff this week is like, it does feel like we time traveled a bit back to a place where there's so much focus on who she's dating. And now this is going to be part of the conversation for so long. And it feels a little bit like we're reverting back to the slideshow era and all the while this isn't you know she's the one that went to the game and like i think knew what a spectacle this would be but i feel two ways it's like maybe she just was for once trying to have fun and not even worry about what people are saying but then like the content about this just kind of went so far and put so much pressure on it that makes me feel a little bit bad but no i don't think it is complete and total pr but I'm I'm leaving space for it to be a little bit of a lot of things. I, I time will tell. Time will tell. Who knows, you guys? But I think the fandoms, people like me and fans are an interesting combination of like I think we're very supportive of her as her own independent entity, and I think most fans of hers would agree that like who she's dating is the absolute least interesting thing about her. But like here we find ourselves again in a situation where it it does tend to be the thing that creates the most buzz about her. You know, and I don't always love that. And also what I mentioned earlier of the um, encroaching of the NFL onto my algorithm, which is my cross to bear and really not your problem nor something worth complaining about. But I just like, you know, the male comedy videos making fun of girls who love fall or at Christmas time or my wife at Starbucks. It's just like, I don't know. There's a certain brand of comedy that like kind of drives me up a wall that I can't even believe how high the engagement is. I just think it's it can be like kind of telling how people perceive women's interests and needs. And as I've talked about a lot and a lot of my book it talks about this too, it, it, we exist in a world where there is this assumption of authority males have in terms of what is and isn't good taste and what is and isn't quality and there is like this inequity with how like people talk about sports relative to how a lot of traditionally feminine interests are spoken about and Sammy and I talked about this last week too and while I don't need to read too much into this and it's like not that serious at the same time I'm like just not enjoying having that brand of comedy now infiltrating like the Taylor Swift fandom space I'm just seeing videos of it being like explaining to the bros Taylor Swift's dating history and like the stuff she did to like Joe Jonas and Jake Gyllenhaal and John Mayer and how Travis needs to be careful or I don't know you guys some of it's just fun and funny and light but a lot of it's just that brand of comedy that drives me nuts but uh yeah that's what I mean about I just 
I'm looking forward to like that part of this passing. But there's a funny part of that, which I'm on board for, where, you know, Taylor Swift fans are infiltrating like football spaces. But that I love because, as discussed last week, the way that sports can dominate the conversation literally year round in so many different forms and leagues and types of sports and online forums, like we're constantly inundated with that stuff by default. I don't feel bad if somebody is infiltrated with, you know, Swifty uh, commentary that isn't here for it for like, you know, an isolated week. Yeah, I'm just not really worried about the situation in reverse. But for me, I guess this podcast is about me expressing my nuanced ways I feel about this. I'm happy for those of you that are big football fans. And this is like an amazing convergence of icons. If you fall in my camp of feeling a little weird about, you know, the NFL, like putting Taylor was here or whatever in their bio, it's like, ugh. One of the things I say in the intro of my book is like, never let anybody who drafts make-believe football teams make you believe your interests aren't important. And I just feel like, yeah, it's valid for those of us who have always been made to feel like our Taylor Swift investment is not important for it to suddenly be co-opted for like the gain of some of these spaces. Like, it's totally fine if it doesn't sit well with you. It doesn't sit well with me either. But hopefully this soon will return to a place that is ours. People throw rocks at things that shine. Don't you love how I earlier was talking about the cringe level of the random insertion of Taylor Swift lyrics, and I literally do that all the time? Yeah, here at the Be There in Five podcast, we are in the business of overthinking. We're in the business of double standards, and um, we are in the business of lukewarm takes. Thank you for letting me work through this. It was therapeutic for me because I don't know how to feel. But I appreciate you hearing me out. Wow, this is how the Length Normal People podcast. This wasn't even a snorkel. This was kind of like a toe dip. Like when I read a book and stick my feet in but keep my cover up on for my own self-preservation. But it was a good time nonetheless. And uh, I'm so grateful for the privilege of your time. It's always fun when there's news in the T-Swift fandom. And we've been doing this for years now. And she's been a big part of the podcast. So it's, yeah, always, always fun to chat. I hope everybody has a great weekend. We have a really, really great Beth's Book Club next week with an amazing author named Elise Lunin, who wrote a book on our best behavior. And it's like a really great conversation about the price we pay for obsessing over being like good or perceived as good as women. It's very Miss Americana adjacent, to be honest. And yeah, so look out for that next week. I'm so excited. And until then, as always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. <laughs>